0: Welcome to the Paradigms and Perspectives podcast. I am your host, Joe Simmons. And on this podcast, we talk about paradigms and perspectives and how people can achieve different results just by changing their paradigm and their perspectives. Let's get started with today's episode. Entrepreneurship, the wonderful world of entrepreneurship. Also, a wonderful word as well. Now, I'm being facetious and I'm being sarcastic, but everybody wants to call themselves an entrepreneur these days. Well, have you ever wanted to know why some entrepreneurs win big? Why some entrepreneurs don't make it? And have you ever wanted to know why some entrepreneurs fail big? Well, this is the episode for you. Lee Buchanan, the editor at large, in Inc. Magazine wrote an article talking about the six reasons entrepreneurs crush it. That's right. According to Lee Buchanan, there are six reasons why entrepreneurs crush it. The six reasons are risk, knowledge, delegation, profitability, networking, managing relationships, and disruption. I'll say that one more time. The six reasons are risk, knowledge, delegation, profitability, networking slash managing relationships, and disruption. Risk. When it comes to risk, these entrepreneurs have a perspective on risk. They know when to risk, and they know when not to risk. That is the question. They don't take risks so big that the probability of going out of business is very high. Talk about three examples of three billion entrepreneurs and their viewpoints on risk. First up, Elon Musk. Elon Musk is a very ambitious individual and sometimes he takes risks that the average person may not understand. But then there's other times where he takes risks where the reward of those risks compensate for the previous risk that he took. Just like uh, Jeff Bezos talks about, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. But Elon Musk is at a situation where he said his last hundred plus million dollars that he had from his sale of uh, PayPal in the early 2000s He had a choice on whether he can put the hundred plus million dollars into SpaceX. Or should he put the hundred plus million dollars into Tesla? Or should he split the money and the probability of both businesses may potentially go out of business? But he said that for him, his businesses are also like his babies. So he was willing to take the risk and said, "Hey, well, you know what? I'm gonna split the money up. If they both go out of business, then at least I can say I tried. But I don't want to neglect either baby or either business. Now, unfortunately for him, his next at bat or his next risk opportunity that he took, it paid off, which has allowed for both Tesla." and SpaceX to continue to thrive and be billion-dollar businesses. Now, Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos talks about this, too. He was also being interviewed, and it was asking him his views on risk. And he says that he believes in taking big risks, but not the the company type of risk, meaning that he's going to take risks, or at least when he was still CEO, But he's not gonna take risks that are so big that, hey, if we try this and it don't work the first time, then we're basically gonna be out of business. But he still believes in taking big risks. And like he said, you only need a couple of wins to make up for the losses. So, for example, he might have had 20 losses. But if he had five big wins, those five big wins, pay for those 20 losses, and plus some. And he went more in detail about that in the interview. Now, I also uh, love um, Richard Branson's viewpoint on risk, too, because Richard Branson is definitely good at uh, risk management in the sense that when he was launching, I believe it was, yeah, when he was launching Virgin Atlantic, and it was his first time in the airline business, What he did was he put in special terms in the contract with, I think it was Boeing, who he leased the uh, aircraft from, his first aircraft. And he told them, he he told them that um, basically for them to give him 90 days. And if 90 days he wasn't profitable or there wasn't a potential to be profitable, then he could return the plane. And that's exactly what happened, you know. Uh, Unfortunately for him, uh, it became profitable and he was able to, you know, keep the airline going. But Richard Branson knew, hey, look, if this thing don't work out, I don't want to completely like wipe myself out. Because I think he said he had just sold uh, Virgin Records. And I think that might have been another Virgin company that he had sold. So he was sitting on a couple of hundred million dollars from the sale of companies. But... He didn't want to put the money into now this airline and then now the airline doesn't work and he's either completely broke or the business is no cease to no longer exist. So uh, those are three great examples on risk, uh, when to risk and when not to risk. What does Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and Mark Cuban all have in common? I'll say that one more time. What does Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and Mark Cuban all have in common? The answer is knowledge. They're all knowledge enthusiasts, they all have a hunger for knowledge and they want to stay informed. Mark Cuban talks about how he has his morning routine and how he has his system. And he used certain apps to feed him information. And that he always wants to be competitive and he's always trying to put somebody out of business and how he tried to treat his business as like a championship team. So he says he's you know he's always hungry. Or to quote Mark Cuban, I'm gonna kick your ass in business because he knows that business he says that business is the ultimate team sport and the most competitive competitive sport of all because business is twenty four seven so he likes to stay on top of that or what I call the sponge mentality so Mark Cuban is a advocate and has a huge hunger for knowledge and standing form as we all know or some of us know Warren Buffett reads over five hundred pages a day so. I mean, this is a guy that read all of the books on investing in the Omaha library system by the age of 12. So, obviously, he has a clear, insatiable appetite for knowledge. But, yeah, he reads over 500 pages a day. Uh, he also reads the newspaper as well. So, he's definitely an informed type of person. Then Bill Gates, uh Bill Gates has a insatiable hunger for knowledge too. He likes to be informed. But this is also uh Bill Gates I believe takes several weeks a year and he go off and just read books. He go off into the mountains and he just read, 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 read. That's all he does is just read. And then he comes back re energized with new ideas. And maybe ways to solve new challenges and problems in the world, but Bill Gates is also a type of person that has a a a hunger for knowledge, and that hunger for knowledge has made all of these gentlemen uh billionaires so reason number two is knowledge that leads to reasons why entrepreneurs crush it in business next. Smart delegation. Smart delegation is so, so important and very underutilized when it comes to business. There's a way to delegate and there's a way not to delegate. But entrepreneurs that crush it, they understand how to use smart delegation. They give their employees what they need to do their jobs and they get out of the way. I'm going to say that one more time. Smart delegation consists of giving employees what they need to do their jobs and get out of the way. Not only that, as an entrepreneur, when you do this, you should be focusing on becoming a visionary for the future, and then you check up with other departments to determine what resources are going to be needed so that you can achieve those future goals. And this is something that Steve Jobs... And Richard Branson do very, very well. Now, I know I've talked about both of them on a podcast several times, but I'm going to keep talking about them because they are great examples and you can learn a lot from them. This is why Steve Jobs said that management is one of the hardest positions for him to fill because some managers don't know how to get out of the way. They have to have their hand in the pot. And Steve Jobs was a true visionary and a true innovator, which I like to consider myself a visionary, innovator. Of course, not on his level, but at the same time, still a visionary and an innovator. And what you want to do is you want to have the resources. You want to create the environment for everybody to be creative and to be innovative and to be uh, solution-oriented, and then you get out the way. If you're in the way, they can't do their job. This is why micromanaging does not work. And if you do micromanage your employees or your collaborators, you're cutting off your productivity, you're cutting off your breakthroughs. This is why Steve Jobs, being a visionary that he was, became so revolutionary because of the strategy, because of the vision that he had, and the innovation. Innovation is at the heart of Apple. That's a part of their culture. And that's also part of the reason why they continue to be successful to this day. Uh, Even though, as I mentioned before, I feel like Tim Cook hasn't really done anything. He's a great manager. He's a great operations guy. But he hasn't really done anything innovative since Jobs left. But people are praising him because he increased market cap. I guess so. I, I, I guess so. But for me, as an innovator and as a visionary, I would like to see more from Apple, but that's neither here nor there. But they still have great delegation at Apple. Uh, Richard Branson is the same way, too. This is why he's able to have 300 companies with 300 CEOs. He understands delegation. And he was, in, uh, he was having like this special retreat, and he was being interviewed by his special guest. And they asked, him, "Well, what was one of the best secrets, or one of his success secrets, uh, to becoming a billionaire and to becoming uh, successful in business?" And he flat out said, "Delegation." He said, "Entrepreneurs and business owners, and they have—he said—they have to learn how to delegate appropriately. You got to give people what they need, trust them. You hired them, or the." The company hired them for a reason. So let them do their job. And that has led to Richard Branson becoming a billionaire. And Steve Jobs being a visionary and innovator. And one of the greatest entrepreneurs of all time. Profitability. Entrepreneurs that crush it, they focus on ways to create and increase profitability in the company. Say that one more time. Entrepreneurs that crush it, they focus on ways to create and increase profitability in the company. Now, there's four main ways based on what I call the four cornerstones on how to create or increase profitability in the company. Number one is revenue maximization. And this is also based on the creation process. There are additional products and services and even new creations of products and services that the company can use to maximize profitability when you really sit down and look at it that's the first way the second way is expense management if you decrease your expenses you will increase your profitability the problem is is that unfortunately most entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs that don't quote-unquote crush it their expenses are out of whack or their expenses are so intensive that it doesn't allow them to scale the way they want to or it doesn't allow them to really increase the profitability like they could but number three is the biggest one which is what i call strategic operations which is basically solving problems and adding value for your customers and For the colleagues inside the business. As quick as possible. And I think this is where the biggest expense come from. Because a lot of times. uh, And and when it comes to strategic operations. You spend so much time in payroll. And in things that are not up to date. That it's costing you money. So the longer that problem or that issue is not solved. The more money it's going to cost. And if you multiply that by thousands of employees, you can see that that adds up. And that goes in line with number two, which is expense management, because that then increases the expenses, and that decreases the profitability. So focus on being strategic, but this also comes down to back to uh, smart delegation, as I talked about in the previous segment. But this is also, too, where training development comes in as well. The more trained, the more developed, the more practice that your employees get with handling certain situations, the faster they can resolve these issues. And the faster they can resolve these issues, they can move on to the next uh, function or phase in the business that can produce more money. But it's, it's primarily because problems are solved too late. Or sometimes the, the, the problem started small and it wasn't handled immediately and then now it grows into this big problem. Now you have to deal with this mountain. And then of course. uh, The fourth way is what I call growth and development. Growth in the sense that. You know being strategic. About how to grow the company. And then the development in part. Is having the infrastructure on the inside. The worst thing in a company. Or one of the worst things in a company. Is to have the growth. But you don't have the infrastructure. Or the development on the inside. So. Now you have growth going out the door because you haven't built the infrastructure on the inside. So those are four ways that entrepreneurs can crush it when it comes to creating and increasing profitability in a company. Networking and managing relationships. The importance of networking and managing relationships. Here's the thing. Networks provide access the better your network the more people you have in your network the more access you can get and the more access you can get the more chance you have of being successful because there's always somebody that know more than you do or there's always somebody that can connect you to somebody that can give you a big breakthrough that could be just what you need so networking is so important because networks provide you access number two Chess not checkers. That's right. You have to play chess, not checkers, when you're networking. Be strategic, be smart. What I mean by that is oh shoot for the long term. Business is a long-term game. So don't get caught up on short-term economics and doing stuff in the short term, and then you bite yourself in the long run when you could have had a more profitable outcome in the long term. A lot of people do that when it comes to networking. They play. They try to play checkers. It's all about what can I get now? What can I get now? What can I get now? In the meantime, you should be trying to provide value. That's what you should be doing. When you first start networking and, and getting in a relationship, you should be trying to add value. You should be trying to add as much value as you can. So then on the back end, what you're creating is you're creating a favor for yourself. So that then... That favor can manifest into something big. It's like a Chinese bamboo tree. It takes five years for it to grow 100 feet tall. So the first four years. It's just slow, 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 slow growth. And then it does 80% of its growth in that fifth year. Now I'm not telling you to spend four years. When you networking with somebody. But I'm trying to get you to understand the mindset. That. When you first interact with somebody, don't just try to see what you can get from them. Don't just see what you try to take from them. I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk said it best in his book Jab, 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 Right Hook. Three jabs and then a right hook. So try to give value and significant value three times before your first ask. People are more inclined. You also come off as more genuine. You also come off as more authentic. Then they never want to be around you more. Then, on top of that, they will open up their network and give you access to other people that may potentially want it that can help you. But if you just keep playing uh, checkers all day, and it's all about, okay, what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? You're going to turn people off. Also goes back to, like a, and this ties right into the law of reciprocity. I've said it once. i said it twice. And i said it multiple times. But I'll say it again. Zig Ziglar had it right. If you give people what they want, they will give you what you want. That's how reciprocity works. Also, too, I mean, not to get biblical or anything, but it says it in the Bible. Seed, time, and harvest. Seed, give value. Time, let time develop over time. And then harvest. Then you'll receive a harvest. So so, you might start networking with somebody, and for three months, you may not ask for nothing, but you let everything build up. It's like a credit system. You let your credit stack up. You let your token stack up. And then let's say in two years, you need a favor from this person. That person comes in and says, hey, you know what? You know, Lisa hasn't... She, she's always been consistent. She's always been there. She's been always providing value. Let me see if I can help her out. You help They helped Lisa out. And then in two years, now, T, now Lisa gets a 10x return in her business. All because of something she did two years ago. But if she probably wouldn't have did what she did and added value two years ago, she probably wouldn't have had that 10x return. And entrepreneurs that crush her, they understand this. They understand that networks provide access. They understand that they need to play chess, not checkers. And they understand the law of reciprocity. Disruption. One of my favorites. Entrepreneurs that really do crush it, they understand disruption. They use problems and challenges as opportunities to profit, to add value to their clients and customers. I'll say that one more time. Entrepreneurs that crush and understand disruption. They use problems and challenges as opportunities to profit. And they add value to their clients and customers. It is so easy. But most people don't want to use problems and challenges as opportunities. They want to just compete with the status quo. Then they want to know why they're being outperform and i love disruption because it ties right into innovation when you innovate things and you can add more value to your clients because it makes it easy i've done it on a corporate level and the three billion dollar companies that i work for i've came in and disrupted something i came in and innovated everybody was like oh well we have this problem or we had this challenge and I'm like, well, how long have we been having this problem? How long have we been having Oh, five years. Five years? We have been having this problem in the challenge for five years? And nobody done anything about it? I sat back, being strategic, playing chess, not checkers. And I'm like, hey, this is what we can do. I tested it out first, had pretty good results, and then I just started slowly passing along. And before you know it, I quote unquote disrupted at at the beginning because most people were comfortable why he coming in and doing this why he doing this we already got a system that's well, because they they wasn't really crushing it and it's the same thing for entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship. you gotta be okay with disrupting things. you got to be okay with innovating. Because innovation is the one thing that most people can't copy. They can copy everything else, but if you have an innovation culture like Apple, it's it's not going to work. Steve Jobs said it best himself. He said people in the um, electronics and the technology industry, their competitors, he he said our competitors always try to copy us. He said they do it poorly, but they always try to copy us. And he said there's usually always five to ten years behind them. Disruption. But this also ties right into going the extra mile. Like I said, the entrepreneurs that don't crush it, they don't see problems and challenges and opportunities for them to profit and to add value to their clients and their customers. So that's the end of this episode. I'll end with that. Disrupt your industries. Thank you for listening to the Paradise and Perspectives podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time out to listen to this podcast. We really I hope that you got some value out of this podcast. And that this podcast will assist with you changing your paradigm and changing your perspective so that you can live the life that you was meant to live. And we look forward to seeing you in another podcast episode. Thank you and have a good day.